beep, 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 beep. Oh, that was the intro to Shaken. Yep. Thank you so yep. much. That's Morse code for welcome to Shaken and Disturbed. <laughs> yes. Uh, as always, I'm Darren Carp, and I'm here with my my wife. Hey. Who should hi. who should be in the kitchen cooking oh. me up a pie? Uh oh. Okay. John Thrasher is here. Um, first of all, that's right. I don't. First of all, I don't cook, so your pie would probably just be like a mush. Pretty much. Okay, okay, you say that you yeah. don't, but let me just say that I was well, running through old old photos today. Um, I'm very introspective today. I know where just, you're going with this, yeah. Um, and I came Can across I the one where you... Yeah, I guess. I brought you lasagna. Correct. <laughs> and I have photos of it. And then, of yeah. course, you had that, like, Costco-sized, tin, like, tub of that huge salmon that you were like, well, what am I going to do with this? <laughs> tub of salmon. A tub of salmon, which is the name of our new band name. Actually, we're renaming this podcast Tub of Salmon. Tub of Salmon. Welcome to the show. It's Tub of Salmon. Tub, tub of Salmon. You know exactly what you're getting when you come on Tub of Salmon. Absolutely. A tub of salmon. It's, you know, that's exactly what you're getting. And so I just like to yeah. reinstate my toxic masculinity, not in the world, in this podcast, <laughs> against you. Right. Like, right, I right. feel like it's very important for me to keep the gender stereotypes going. Yeah. But yeah. just here. No one else. Well, no. Yeah. I just I want everyone no to one... say, obviously, I don't think a woman's place is yeah. in the kitchen. I just think John's place is my wife. Should be in the kitchen. I just want to reiterate. Sorry. Yeah. See, and that's a pickup. We had Darren say that after the show, just so everybody knows. Um, no, I'm just mm. kidding. Um, you know what? I will say this, and this is a free little plug for one of our sponsors on the show, Green Chef. Before Green Chef, I wasn't really even willing to step foot and start cooking. But they make it so easy. This is not a pl- this is not an advertisement, but they have sponsored our show, and so we've done some cooking with Green Chef, and I have absolutely loved it. When it's packaged for me at my door, right? That's all you need to do. Well, then I'm ready to go. I I will say just in terms of that, I just finished my third Green Chef meal. I literally yeah. had it for lunch today, and the thing I like about that is like I stopped doing that stuff for a little while. I did it almost exclusively yeah. because like for me, yeah. it's not like I mind cooking. I mind mm-hmm. cooking just for me. And now that Nadine and I live together, I fi- I'm right. fine cooking. But for me, it's just hard. Like, I just am not the type of person to be like, what do I want to cook today? I, I want it New sort Yorkers. of laid out for me. I know. Yeah. And I, I'm like a lazy cook. Like, I have no problem doing it and following mm-hmm. instructions. But I kind of want someone to do the shopping for me and me to just, here's the recipe you're making. And then I'll be like, great. I just don't want to make any of those big decisions. So that was very, very helpful. But speaking of things that we are consuming... Are right. you consuming anything whilst recording? And don't give me that pickleball shit. I, Here we go. I, that's where I'm going. I'm going to be honest. Beep yourself. Um, Beep I yourself. Know. Listen, I had a long day of work and I'm finishing up. I will say this. I'm finishing up an iced latte that I got earlier in the day. Now that I'm not working, I splashed a little bit of coffee uh, whiskey in it. Oh. Which you might think would be a weird flavor mix. Let me tell you something. I'm already buzzed and it's only been a couple. It's been an hour, you know. And so I want to also mention, Darren, I am going to confess. I am drinking Dunkin' <gasps> Donuts iced coffee. Well. I'm sorry, iced latte. I'm one of those only people because that I don't need to be right. I know in the long run, I'm right. Do you know what I mean? Uh-huh. Like, I don't need to yeah. be right in the moment because I know eventually sure. everyone will mm-hmm. come around to my side mm-hmm. because I'm a genius. And I think well, this proves my point. 
well, let's not get too far down that road. But I will say the only reason I'm drinking it is because the Starbucks, which is being built in my hometown, the first ever Starbucks, by the way. Uh, front page headlines. Front New York page Times. News, let me tell you. And I ha- I'm not able to go there yet. So once I get to Starbucks, I'm not sure I'm going to keep going to Dunkin' Donuts. But I will say... I've had a different experience with each flavor. We're going to get to the case, by the way. I don't want everyone to think this is a Dunkin' Donuts podcast. Although, if there is one, I would like to be on that. A coffee podcast, if nothing else. I know. When, you come on, when you come on Tub of Tuna, all we talk about is Dunkin' Donuts. I think that makes sense. That tracks. First of all, it's Tub of Salmon. You've already forgotten the name of our show. Very it's Tub of Salmon, here. but Tub of Tuna Tub of Tuna, I'm loose. not going near. I'm not going near Tub of Tuna. Tub of Salmon... It can be filleted. We can cook it. Whatever tub of tuna. I'm not going near. Okay. Well, anyway, just so you know, there is there is a rock and roll band that my dad's a very big fan of that I've seen in concert called Hot Tuna. Not and connected to exact, Big Tuna from The Office. If you've ever no, watched No, it's Office. called Hot Tuna, okay. and it's ex- named exactly why you think it's named. Oh that. no! Okay? All right. Sorry. Well, Darren, on that note, what are you drinking over there? You're in your. It's office? a great. I'm just slurping down some hot tuna. Um, uh, sorry. Gonna sorry. puke. Was it the slurp or was it the hot tuna that got I just, that? I, this is me bleeping this whole segment. <laughs> like I just can't. Um, I. So I I'm having am, coffee and whiskey, and you're having t- hot tuna. Got it. I'm having a student. No, I am. Um, I'm actually just having water today. I feel like I'm in a, like a very introspective kind of mode. I've been not in like, like a, I'm not in a bad mood or anything like, like that. It's just that I'm in like life. a, yeah, it's, it's like, yeah. it's, it's starting to get lighter later. I'm Nadine mm. just left. So she's not coming back here until the oh. end of May. And so I just feel oh. a little, you know, drinking is not great for me when I'm feeling like that because it makes me really tired. And then sometimes I get depressed and I don't want to be depressed. Yeah. Because this is one of the best parts of my day. So uh, today I'm just drinking water. Yes. Good for you. By the way, everyone should take stock of how they're how their drinking affects their lives. You know what I mean? Like, yes, especially as you get older. I feel like it, it does some things. I don't know. I'm just thinking of friends, family, people I know. Just everyone should be mindful of that type of stuff. You know? What yeah, I mean? it drags me down a little bit. I will say, and and it just yeah, you know, even you if I'm by myself, I just yeah. I don't know. I like. I like being yeah. tired naturally. I got gotcha. you. I got gotcha. you. Yeah. Listen to our anyway. MMR from Thursday if you want to hear more about that, because we've got thoughts. We definitely do. All right, let's get into this week's case. That's right. This is not a podcast about tubs of tuna or salmon. It is a murder podcast, so let's get right into it. Um, we're going back to the 1800s this year. I love these older shows. I love when Megan brings them to us, and we're like, yeah, we're doing that. So yeah, in there's 18... 18- some- Sorry to interrupt. There seems something no. sometimes some like a like a creepiness factor of it. There is, it also yeah. feels like it would have been easier to get away with murder back then than it would oh, be today. Oh, for sure. I think right. that's why I like them now that you say that. Yeah, for sure. Well, this is in 1868. A woman named Amy Duggan was born in Connecticut to James and Mary Duggan. Mary was their eighth child of 10. Right away I'm thinking crucible. Right away, I'm thinking Jane Eyre. These names are very like, you know what I mean? Like old timey, uh, biblical. I mean, literally, names. James, Mary, and Amy. Like I know people named James A. No, Amy I know, Mary. but it's like Amy was born to James and Mary of Connecticut. Yeah. It's just very like Salem witch and, trials to me. And ten kids, like wow. Oh my God, that's a lot. We didn't even touch. Yeah, exactly. Too I don't much know how going people on. People do this. Yeah. How many tubs of tuna are they they eating over there? You know what I'm saying. <laughs> A whole bathtub's full, let me tell you. 
school. Well, in 1897, after finishing her education, Amy married a man named James Archer. In December of the same year, Amy's daughter Mary was born. Uh, There's just like so many kids. In 1901, Amy and James were hired as caretakers to look after an elderly man named John Seymour. In nine, and then finally in 1904, John Seymour passed away and his home was turned into a boarding house for elderly residents. I'm like, just these details, I'm a little like, what's going on here? Do you know what I mean? Like everything feels odd and like mysterious. Tune into our NMR about television I'm getting John into. But John, do you watch The Gilded Age? Because I didn't ask you in the NMR. No. Okay, but I've that heard takes, about it though. Yeah. It takes place in like the 1880s in New York. Ooh, and it's very okay. high society, very old money, new money. And it's not like a murder mystery or anything. But I always think about now I'm like picturing Gilded Age in yeah. this time period and like, yeah, turning turning into like a boarding house for elderly residents like is I don't know it feels creepy, but it also is like exactly what like yeah, I guess should is. happen. Yeah, I think. yeah, though yeah. it's true. Well, Amy and James were allowed to stay on as caretakers for the residents, but had to pay rent in order to reside on the site. The house became known as Sister Amy's Nursing Home for the Elderly. So it sounds like there is some Catholic. You know, there's a lot of religion, I think, playing a part, especially at this time and in this part of the country, quite frankly, in American history. That was something that was very common. Um, In 1907, the Seymour family decided to sell the house. Amy and her family moved to Windsor, Connecticut. Amy and James purchased their first home, which they turned into their own nursing home facility, the Archer Home for the Elderly and Infirm. All right. Well, you know what you're getting there. I love it. I love an obvious title. Well, that's true. I'm feeling very infirm, like from just being out of shape to be completely like it's been a long winter. I'm You're a little defirmed. bit doughy. Yeah, I'm like doughy. <laughs> John um, Thrasher's home for the elderly and defirmed. It's just my home. That's like just my home. Like, it's, just it's just John me. Thrasher's home. Yeah. Yeah. The government has labeled that upon me. Anyway, oh. the Archer. <laughs> I'm just laughing at at the way you ran with that. The Archer Home became the country's first for-profit elder care facility, which is an interesting detail. Some some residents who moved into the Archer Home did so by paying a traditional weekly fee ranging from $7 to $25, which might not sound like a lot, but I feel like this time frame... By the way, we love to look up inflation, so maybe we need to figure out how much that is worth today at some point. But other residents who sought long-term care in the home were able to pay up front uh, for their care through the end of their life. So, I don't know. All these details just feel a little bit creepy to me, but um, I don't know. Maybe it's just the time frame, and I'm just thinking of, like, I don't know, the crucible. I'm trying to Oh, you're converting? Okay, so one dollar in nineteen oh seven was the equivalent of approximately thirty dollars today. So if you wow. do that math, that's anywhere between they paid like two hundred and ten dollars per week, or like what is it, seven hundred and fifty dollars per week? Yeah, I something how that comes out to be. Um, yeah. So you know that's quite that's a, a bit of money. Bit of money. You know yeah. that's rent. You know that's rent for a lot of people. To me, that sounds like a high um, a high level. Like you're getting a lot of like um what what am i trying to say like a premium so to speak well this is definitely kind of key to the story so that's kind of why we're bringing this up now two different payment methods were accepted residents could either pay amy a lump sum of a thousand dollars when they checked in which literally is like 
basically end of their life. They're just assuming that, you know, a thousand dollars, if you're paying $7 a week, like these are the elderly people. So it's, you could be getting a premium for a thousand dollars or you could kind of be paying too much. But so you either pay her a lump sum of a thousand dollars when they checked in, or they could amend their life insurance policy, dun, 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 uh, making Mm. Amy the sole beneficiary at the time of their death. Okay. I, here's the thing. We've talked about all these life insurance scams and murders over all these years. I didn't even think that this would be something that people in the 1800s would be thinking of. I don't know. To me, maybe there's nothing even going on here, but it's just something to think about. Yes. My thing is, which is separates it from what we what we talk about is so far with what we know is like, at least she's telling them upfront exactly what they can do. So it's entirely voluntary. And yep. at the same time... If they're nearing their end of their life, and let's say they have no other kin, no other family, like, all right, in exchange for you taking care of me, I'm happy to donate my life savings at the end of my life to you, my life insurance Mm -hmm. policy to you, to kind of further that care out. So in some sense, I could, it's like paying back into the business. That sounds so kind of crass, but it does kind of feel like that. And in 1909, sorry, John, go ahead. No, that's it. I was just agreeing with you. Yep. In 1909, Amy and James were sued by the family of one of their residents, the McClintocks, who claimed their relative moved into the facility and failed to receive proper care. Now, the Archer settled with the McClintocks out of court by paying them $5,000, which would be roughly about $133,000 in modern currency. So a decent amount. Big chunk of change. Yeah. Big chunk of change. And in 1910, James Archer passed away. And the official cause of his death was Bright's disease, which is essentially an old school term back in the day for any kind of generic kidney disease. So we probably would have a more specific name of it today. But back then it was kind of lumped into like, if you got kidney shit, you got Bright's. It reminds me of, I know a lot of older people, maybe even people in my family who called diabetes sugar. Have you ever heard about this? Like, oh, she passed away. She got sugar. You've never heard of this? Oh, yeah. It's like, I don't know if it's like a Southern thing. I'm going to have to look this up. Maybe it's a Southern. Wow. This is like when I asked you about, um, this is like when I asked you about supper. The other day, supper I don't know if we dinner, did it on yeah. supper and dinner. Anyway, like my gra- my grandfather one, I just remembered the only reason I'm bringing that up is my grandfather one day was like, yeah, da da da, down the street. I heard she has the sugar, and I was like, what? Excuse me. And I looked it up, and it was wow. like a, a term for diabetes. Yeah, it's interesting. Wow, and anyway. I never. I'm gonna ask my dad that yeah, only ask, because he yeah. has diabetes. So okay, he's well, maybe he would know. Well, however, Amy had no trouble keeping the care facility open and operational. Just a few weeks before James's death, she had had the foresight to take out a life insurance policy on her husband. She's well-versed in this. And I gotta say, for a woman in the early 1900s, like even before we kind of had the right to vote, so, you know, they weren't as educated, you know, not because they weren't as smart, yeah. but they were, the rights weren't the same. It's kind of interesting that she knows so much about life insurance policy. You know, this feels like one of those things... That would be the man's work. You know what I For mean? For sure. Yeah, 100%. Especially the culture at that time, as you said. I mean, it's really a different time than what it is now. Well, in 1913, Amy married a man named Michael Gillian, and or Gillian, but I'm going to say Gillian because okay. it's with a G. And 56-year-old... It's our show. 56-year-old Michael was a wealthy widow with four grown children and was interested in helping Amy build out the care facility. As part of their marriage, Michael drafted a will which named his new wife as his sole beneficiary. Remember, he's got four grown children. 
Tragically, Michael did pass away in February of 1914, just actually three months after his wedding to Amy. Michael's Hmm. cause of death was ruled as an acute bilious attack, which is just kind of like really bad indigestion. But also, if you think about it, like, think of the medicine that they had back then. You know, like, they couldn't cure ulcers. They didn't, we couldn't take, like, acid reflux medicine back then. There weren't a lot of vaccines that we just don't even think about these days. Or, like, you know, think of the food. And so it's not like, it's, it's an entirely different world where I'm sure people could... It sounds really crazy to say like, oh, she likes like saying died from the sugar, but like mm-hmm. you know, she really bad indigestion. But in theory, in this time period, that was probably not as uncommon as we're thinking of it now. Yeah. And after after Michael's life will paid out, Amy inherited over four thousand dollars, which is essentially like one hundred and ten thousand dollars in modern money. Not a small chunk of change, but also not like insanely massive either. Yeah, that's true. Another thing that comes to mind, too, is capitalism, because you know, the American dream and, and what we know the United States eventually had become, especially through the industrial age, was really all about, you know, making money, making a business. You know, the American dream is self-sustaining, et cetera, whatever, you, or if that's what you want to call it. But I'm just thinking about this time of in American history where I just feel like the motivation wasn't the exact same as it is in, the, in, in our generation, even our parents' generations. So for her to be so motivated, from what I'm understanding in terms of building out these care facilities and and understanding the dynamics of contracts and getting paid out, I mean, it just sounds super unique, not just for a woman, as you said, but for anybody to just really understand the business of and the trade of all of this, if that makes sense. Yes, although yeah. where this could be going is like, to me, almost it seems like a Ponzi scheme. Well, like right. pay up front, make sure this, and then once all the contracts right. are signed, like, well, we don't have to owe you care, and then yeah. we're still going to take, you know. So it, it could be that, it could be that. I but you're you. right. I mean, no. I think, yeah, it's it's definitely on, it's, on the surface at this point. It's just interesting, nonetheless. I want to tell you quickly about the sugars. Um, I looked it up on Urban Dictionary really quickly. The sugars. The sugars. You're talking. Um. It says here, an old Southern American term for sugar diabetes, most notably used in a Saturday Night Live sketch featuring Kristen Wiig as Paula Deen. Um, So that's... Yeah, the quote here is, I have what my mama used to call the sugars. So I'm going to have to look this up even further. I mean, obviously, Urban Dictionary isn't the best source for that type of stuff. But anyway, I digress. Interesting, yes. Back to the story here, because from the time Amy purchased the Archer home until 1917. Uh, why did I say it? Until 1917. I, 19, I don't know why I'm... 1917. Um, like, why did my voice quiver? I don't know. But either way, there were 60 confirmed deaths on the property. Um, what? Okay, wait. Wait, 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 wait. Okay, wait. Because obviously that feels like a lot. However, if this is an elderly care facility. True. Yes. That's what's the, the expectation yeah, is yeah, that yeah. they're there until death. So in theory, like, it's like, it's like, you know, the, what is it? Hotel California. Like you check in, but you never right. check never out. Check and I'm not, out. Yes. and I'm not, I'm not being crass about it. I'm saying like, no, yeah. Obviously, they're on shaken and disturbed for a reason, so there's going to be foul play here. But in theory, I mean, <laughs> spoiler alert. But I don't no, know. You're right. Like, I mean, that is the expectation, right? They're they're there for the long term, faci- whatever that time may be. Nobody really knows. But 
I mean, maybe it's a short amount of time. 60 confirmed deaths is a kind of a lot. But again, to your point, you, would we say that about a hospital? No, that happens every day in a hospital probably. So Yeah, exactly. And like it was about, you know, 10 years. Like, yeah, I don't know. That's like six people a year that doesn't seem that wild that to me, crazy but yeah. i also don't know like the average of elderly homes now like what's that That's i guess true. statistic there but i think just seeing 60 feels like a lot it but does. we have to you know but i get well, that i get that yeah there's more details here because this might lend some some more light on it 12 inhabitants passed away between 1907 and 1910 so in just three years that's an average of four per year Thank right. you very much. I just did math on the Good. air. You're welcome. Good job. But then 48 died from 1911 to 1916. So a little higher. I'm not doing that math. Um, that's about the, nine. That's about, what's that, five and 48? So that's that's about nine, nine a year. All right. So that's right. doubling essentially every year almost. Because Listen, you went from Darren four to was nine. a nerve. I'm sorry. Darren was a neurosurgeon or whatever. Yeah. I was an English Keep major. that narrative going. Keep yeah, that in a, mind. I have a PhD. You have a PhD in neurosurgery. I'm a the doctor. Majority, the majority of these majority. The majority. What, what is happening? What the f- is going on? Dunkin' Donuts. Ma- 1917 or whatever I just yeah. said, and then majority. the majority of my sugars <laughs> happened in 1917, the and I can't help it. Of my problems with my sugars. With my sugars, okay. I got the sugars. But I just. There must be something in the, uh, this. Is why I don't go to Dunkin'. There's something in Ooh. my latte. Let's reset. We Let's need to reset. reset. Okay, the majority of these residents were elderly men with little to no close family or friends, which is interesting because in the event of a life insurance payout, who's going to get that, right? However, one resident didn't quite fit the bill, a 48-year-old man named Franklin Andrews, a healthy man by all accounts, although, quote, somewhat crippled, according to reports, and thus needed some care at home. On May 29, 1914, Franklin was working in the garden of the Andrews house. When he began to feel ill, his condition deteriorated extremely quickly. Sounds like poison to me, if you're asking yeah. me. But within 36 hours, Franklin was dead. And the official cause was determined to be a gastric ulcer, mm. which I don't I don't know. I'm not a, I'm not a doctor, I'm not a physician, whatever. But gastric ulcer sounds very painful. It's funny because when we were talking about um, having an acute bilious attack with with Michael uh, Gillian and I was saying really bad indigestion, I was like, they didn't have the same, like if you had an ulcer back then, I'm not really, I mean, they might have just been like, drink some milk and call it a day. Like I'm not confident that they had, they didn't have like x-ray machines and shit like that. So again, gastric GI issues, like this is probably common. Yeah, and Franklin's sister, Nellie Pierce, was his primary next of kin, and after her brother's death began going through his documents and affairs, one thing in particular stood out to Nellie. In his personal documents, Franklin had specifically noted numerous instances of Amy harassing him for money. Now remember, mm. he's he's now dead and gone, and there's now documented evidence that he felt harassed by her. Nellie investigated further and realized that this was a pattern within the house. Amy would press her residents for large sums of money. Shortly after they gave in and turned over the money, they would suddenly become ill and pass away. Well, gee whiz, I wonder what could have happened here. Yeah. 
Yeah, Nellie spoke to her local DA to report her suspicions about the house and and the unusual circumstances of her brother's death. The DA heard Nellie out, but kind of ignored her. You know, after all, almost everyone who had lived in the Archer home was elderly, as you mentioned, Darren, and in need of long-term care, so deaths were to be expected. That's almost the perfect crime, though. For sure. Yeah, when you're expecting them to die, what more can you do investigatively, you know? Right, and, like, them hearing, like, oh, he had gastric issues at 78 back then or whatever, you're kind of like... Eh. Like, is it worth investigating? You know? Also, they went into there voluntarily. Sorry. They also went in there voluntarily. So it doesn't seem like there was foul play, as far as we can tell. And it reminds me of a recent episode we did here on the show where um, the woman was over-injecting insulin into people in the hospital, and then they would die. And nobody could figure out why, because insulin levels typically spike, or because people have insulin or whatever. It just kind of went under the radar. So kind of a similar thought process here at least well Nellie then took to uh, the strange excuse me Nellie then took the strange story to a local newspaper the Hartford Courant I hope I'm saying that right I think current? it's current current yeah. the publication was more than happy to listen to Nellie's findings thank God we have a free press that we can look into this stuff so that's where it is I- at this point on May 9th, 1916, the newspaper published the first in a series of articles on the Archer home, which they began referring to as the Murder Factory. Oh, it took a few months, but the stories brought enough attention to Amy and the residents that police began investigating. I think at that point, if you're going to you know, register something as the Murder Factory, this is going to get the public yeah. interest peaked. Authorities Not only that, a- but you're probably hoping that the public gets interested, right? If you're going to franchise something that way. I would think. Maybe. Authorities yeah. spent over a year on their investigation, during the course of which five bodies were exhumed, including those of Amy's husbands, J. Michael and Franklin Archer, as well as two of the home's boarders. Mm. Now, Franklin's autopsy showed no sign of any sort of stomach ulcers, in spite of his cause of death being ruled as such. More hmm. in-depth autopsies were conducted on the bodies, and it was determined that each one had died by... Poisoning. I was right. Either strychnine or arsenic. And we've often talked about um, arsenic on the show. Police questioned local shopkeepers about Amy, several of which confirmed that she had indeed purchased large quantities of the poisons from them, citing both issues with rats and bed bugs. Hmm. Um, Which is interesting. By the way, have you ever seen Breaking Bad? No, never watched it. Jesus Christ. I mean, go I back to our NMR to hear. This is just the, the debate's going to continue with you because I didn't ask you this either. But yeah. in Breaking Bad, the yeah, premise is obviously like this really yeah. smart chemist goes yeah, on yeah. to sell meth and because it's like drug lord or whatever because he gets cancer and he wants to get money to his family. But know he, knows, he knows chemistry. And so mm-hmm. in the show, you kind of get to learn a little bit about this stuff. And yeah. there's this something that they use ricin. That is kind yeah. of created like through beans and stuff like that. And you wouldn't necessarily know that. But what he was saying about ricin is that when given, which is like extremely deadly, it's very hard to detect. And so it's hard oh. to detect if you can be poisoned by that, which is I imagine, you know, people aren't necessarily the, the first yeah. assumption isn't to test for arsenic. No, you know, definitely. We've, we've covered some cases where people get getting poisoned by arsenic, like wives yeah. through their you know um but with their husbands it tends to be that obviously men don't yeah i know poison. I say, i'm thinking that too yeah it's very female oriented and i wonder if it's because it takes the physicality away so it gives a power balance they don't have to fight them with a gun a and shoot them point. 
it's like slow and steady because there's a physical imbalance most likely with a lot of men and a lot of women. I digress, yeah, but that feels no, like that would be right. Yeah. Please, please question local shopkeepers about Amy. So anyway, she gets it for rats and bed bugs. And as they looked into sure. the deaths further, police found that almost every death that took place at the home was determined to have been caused by some sort of stomach issue or simply sudden death due to natural causes. Now, this caused police to take a second look at the arsenic purchases Amy had made. They found that she had brought roughly 10 ounces of arsenic just before the death of her husband, Michael. That feels like a lot. And this apparently would have been enough to poison over 100 people. If this is poisoning 100 people, how many fucking rats and... Does she live in New York City? How many (laughs) rats and bedbugs has she got? Well, how big are the... Are the bedbugs as big as the rats? Like, what are we talking about here? I'm going to admit something. I didn't know bed bugs were real until I moved to New York City. I thought it was like, don't let the bed bugs bite. Like, I thought it was just like a joke. So, well, just welcome to just New York. Sharing that. Welcome to yeah. New York. Welcome to well, New York. Well, investigators also looked closer into Michael Gillian's will and were able to determine that it was actually a forgery written mm. by Amy herself. Amy was arrested and initially charged with five counts of murder. However, the DA was only able to get a single charge to stick, the murder of Franklin Andrews. It was testified during trial that enough arsenic had been found in Franklin's system to, quote, kill half a dozen strong men, end quote. Jesus, that's a lot. As she was incarcerated and awaiting sentencing, Amy developed a bad case of prison psychosis And there was a great deal of uncertainty as to whether she would ever be fit enough to stand trial. However, Amy was brought back to a fit mental state, and her trial began on June 18th, 1917. My mom's birthday. Shout out to my mom there. Shout out to your mom. We love your mom. By the way, how do you go from unsure, you know, prison psychosis, unsure if you can stand trial, to like, oh, no, she's back. She's good. Like, I don't feel like, I don't know. It just doesn't feel like that's something that can really, truly happen. But anyway, I digress again. The trial lasted four weeks, at the end of which Amy was found guilty and sentenced to death by hanging. Remember, Mm. we are in early 1900s. Amy's execution date was set for November of 1917, and in 1917, the state of Connecticut enacted legislation which required old folks' homes to be licensed, that's their term, by the way, and to undergo annual inspections. Facilities would now be required to provide annual reports of deaths to a state board. It sounds like this was, like, the reasoning, by the way, because if, like, this many hundreds of people, it sounds like, pretty much, are dying under her potential care... You know. And I and I hate to bring this up, but if we remember, Andrew Cuomo, the governor of New York, got in quite a bit of trouble and had to, because he miscounted the, well, purposely miscounted and mis- oh, yes. miscategorized the deaths at nursing homes from COVID. So, right. and it turned out that he made a huge mistake by putting everyone in nursing homes and not caring for them at first, first and foremost, as opposed right. to people. So. This is clearly a thing that kind of almost still happens. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Well, in 1919, Amy's attorney appealed the conviction and the guilty verdict was overturned on a technicality. Mm. Amy was granted a new trial. This time she pled guilty by reason of insanity. Amy's 19-year-old daughter, Mary, now was called to testify and informed the jury that her mother was, in fact, a morphine addict. Imagine being addicted to morphine, of all things. Midway through the trial, Amy's legal team ended the trial by entering a plea of guilty to murder in the second degree. This charge carried a sentence of life in prison, which I guess is better than death by hanging. 
The court accepted the plea and Amy was incarcerated from 1919 until 1924. So, this reminds me of what we talked about in NMR. I'm not going to say it again. Just go okay. back and listen to that. Go because listen. this has a lot to do with that. But in 1924, Amy was declared hopelessly insane and was transferred from prison to a psychiatric facility in Middletown, Connecticut, uh, where my brother went to school at Wesleyan University. Oh, wow. So I've actually the been way, there to Middletown. Oh, how is it this time of year? Boring, except for Wesleyan. <laughs> per- pretty. Boring. By the way, hopelessly insane uh, is what she was declared not to be confused with hopelessly devoted. Or romantic. Uh, or hopeless. romantic. Yes. A hopeless hopelessly devoted to, to you. you. Shout out to Olivia Newton-John. I was a president of her fan club when I was a kid. Anyway, I digress back to um, the case. We're going to be discussing that next week. Keep going. In 1941, <laughs> Joseph Kesserling wrote a play about Amy and the murders that took place in the Archer home and titled it Arsenic and Old Lace. Mm, I've heard <laughs> of Arsenic and Old Lace. I may have read it in high school, but I cannot tell you a thing that happened. In what it, a name so. of a good perfume. Oh, what am I wearing? Arsenic and Old Lace. <laughs> and Old Lace. Meanwhile, it's it all about murder. I know. And poisoning people. Now, the play follows two Connecticut sisters, Abby and Martha, with, quote, darling Victorian charm, who run a boarding house and spike the elderberry wine with arsenic, which they then distribute to the home's older older gentleman residents. Now, the play opened on Broadway's Fulton Theater in January of 1941 and starred Boris Karloff playing a killer who looked like Boris Karloff. Arsenic sure. and Old Lace was later adapted into a film which starred Cary Grant. And Amy remained in the hospital until her death in April of 1962 at the age of 89. So she Ooh. actually lived, lived a long quite life, a long huh? time. Lived a long life considering all of the other things that happened. But, you know, I never really thought about it. But the fact that at least as far as I know, like women tend to poison and men don't. Is no, really, it's a good point. Is really interesting. Also, I think the statistics show, don't quote me on this, but it's also a matter of behavior. Like if you're going to commit suicide, women have a higher likelihood of attempting suicide, but mm. men uh, statistically die more often from suicide than women do. And the reason is, is because women tend to not like to use, this is a general rule, but women tend to kill themselves with like overdosing on pills, for example. Less violent uh, type of manners. Stuff like that. As opposed to yeah. men who will like take a gun and like shoot right. themselves or jump off a bridge. Men, women tend to take like an approach that probably happens more often, but is not as successful than men and do. I think you would also probably argue that men are more likely to know how to use guns, giving the whole like hunting thing maybe over the years. I don't know. Just throwing that out Maybe. There. I mean, like, I think probably hunting is more male dominated, but I don't necessarily yeah. think knowledge of guns. It might be. I don't know. But I just I think know, women just don't want to do any like violent things. And sure, to some extent with poison, which is obviously horrible and terrible, Violence doesn't really seem like the right term to describe it. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's kind of insidious. Yeah. It's like this yeah. slow and painful, agonizing yeah. thing, but which is arguably maybe worse. But yeah, right. it's interesting. It's just interesting how we're uh, different. Let us know what you guys think uh, about this week's case because um, it's kind of fascinating on our end. If you guys know any statistics about that, I would love to hear it. Any mental health professionals out there who might have some... Yeah. We can look this up, but I kind of like hearing from our listeners, too, and, and being educated by that. Yeah. So, obviously, let us know at Carpe Darren, at Jay Thrasher, Shaken and Disturbed podcast fans on Facebook. And, John, speaking of poisoning people, let's get into this week's <laughs> shout-outs. 
Well, what a great segue, Darren, because Thank you. after after our friend Kiera in the Facebook group said that she had finished all of our episodes, you asked her if she became a David Archuleta or a Spice Girls fan. To I which said she, more or less. More just or so less. everyone more right. or less. Yes. To, okay. to which she incredibly responded, quote, I've always been a fan of both. I voted for David Archuleta on American Idol and I follow him on TikTok and I want a talent show with my sister singing Wannabe. Well, um, Kiara, you have come to the right place. And when things like this are shared in the group, I'm like, are we all meant to to be like, are we all meant to know each other? We love our true crime podcast. We love David A. We love the spice. It, it's just perfect. I love it. Thank you, Kiara, I, for that. I feel like you create David Archuleta and Spice Girls fans and Funko Pops. And I <laughs> maybe make people think twice about capital punishment. <laughs> that's true. Very different that's uh, motivations here. Very different motivations. But that's well, the joy of this show, you know? Yes. A little. We're the approval matrix. We're a little bit highbrow <laughs> right. and brilliant and a little lowbrow and disgusting or whatever. And we Spicable. love it. We and love that's it. that's what we're here for. That's what mom and dad are here for. Lisa in our Facebook group said, quote, literally just finished yesterday's episode while walking my dog. It's my Monday after work ritual. Can I tell you, John Thrasher, that I let out a yelp when you mentioned your new, uh, is it Tyneco? Tyneco vacuum. We got one. I'm obsessed. It's amazing. Is it sad that my husband and I watch this YouTube channel to help us decide? Thank you and Darren for making an awesome podcast. And let me just say before John gets into his, you know, consumer reports of this, I read consumer reports you do. And I get the monthly magazine and I genuinely read it for product descriptions. So, no, I don't personally blame you, Lisa, for watching a YouTube yeah. channel about it. I feel like that's no. why YouTube was invented. So, good of on course. you. Of course. And the YouTube channel was called like Vacuum Wars. And it was like all about like oh what's God, the you best vacuum. It? You I saw, it. I didn't watch the actual video that she linked, but I saw it said Vacuum Wars on the thumbnail. Um, I will say this, when I first got into vacuuming, which I guess I'm a, a vacuuming enthusiast. Can you get into vacuuming? Is that something, years. when you get into vacuuming, what's your hobby? Oh, I love to vacuum. When you I get into vacuuming. Vacuum. I really do. I vacuum every day now that I have this wireless one. When I first got into it, it was the Roomba craze, you know, and I, you might remember this, Darren, I got on a train, Grand Central Station, took a train to Connecticut. Okay, we're connecting the dots you here. you bought it from show. a guy, didn't you? I bought like, it from I'm... someone selling it on Craigslist. That's how desperate I wanted one. And I didn't have money at the time to spend like $500 on a fucking Roomba. I'm sorry, for a fucking Roomba. Yeah. And I so I was like, let me go up here and get one for 100 bucks. She was like selling everything in her house, worked perfectly for years. Um, I put a pumpkin on it, let it go around my house. It was a blast. Um, so no, no harm in that. In fact, like Darren just said, that's why that's the greatness of YouTube that like we didn't have when we were kids. So now that we're adults with adult money, we can figure out exactly where to put it, so to speak. Speaking that's of true. which, yeah, speaking of which, Darren, yes. our merch, you guys, our merch, it's coming very soon. Darren and I got our first samples. If you are a Patreon subscriber, you probably have seen the post. You can see a sneak peek on our Patreon if you haven't yet. Very soon, we're going to launch our merch store. Details are coming very soon. But Patreon pledgers at the truly disturbed and super fan levels, if you're a radish, essentially. If you're a um, radish. Yeah, if you're a Patreon radish, you're going to um, get first access to the merch. So we're going to release it to Patreon subscribers first before we announce it here on the show. So if you haven't already, now is the time to sign up. And aside from that, bonus videos, photos, episodes, pictures, 
blog posts are being including, posted there all the time. Including after today's show, some bloopers from the podcast. We're going to start putting yeah, up on, on Patreon when John, it's usually John, fucks up. Um, and I make him me. laugh. And yeah. I make him laugh. Uh, yeah, sometimes he can't continue the podcast. Nope. And you get to hear the natural banter between us. because It's funny because there's a whole moment in the show that doesn't sound like anything happened to the listener listening. But it was a struggle. And you can go to Patreon and hear that. Yes. That's right. Now, not only <laughs> is it worth it, but you're helping us, obviously, as independent creators. Keep this show you love so much up and running. For anyone that came over from Martinis and Murder recently... Welcome, because I've been hearing a lot of that. I was going to say, um, there's been a lot of that lately. I appreciate a lot. That. I don't know. Yeah, I really appreciate that. But uh, now that we're independent, we don't, we're not part of a network. And so we're kind of keeping this up and running on our own accord and our own dime. So any That's little right. bit helps. Uh, but we appreciate whatever you can give. And if not, we just appreciate you listening to the show. And we just love you. And you can rate, review, and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. That helps us get discovered. Darren, And of course, that time we of have show. to end... With is there like a fun thing on your soundboard that's like ding 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 like well, a well there's this a few moments later <laughs> which sounds so janky okay so we're gonna say we're okay ready play the button okay a few moments later one two three a thanks mo- Megan thanks Megan thanks we Megan. love you here's another one okay. <laughs> Okay. It's time. Whose okay. voice is that? It's just, it's like preloaded into the thing when I bought it. But whose voice? Like, how do I, I get no that idea. job? Like, I'm preloaded. Yeah, I know, right? I want to be preloaded into a voice machine. Into a voice machine. <laughs> of some sort. That would be amazing. Well, That's right. thank you, Megan, as always, and to all of you. Yes. We love you. We'll be back next week in a new case. Listen to our NMR because we have a lot of good stuff from last Thursday, but obviously we're going to come back. Uh, Thursday or Friday, I can't remember. I'm blinking on the days now that we're recording. Last week, and then obviously new NMR up this week in a few days and a new episode on Sunday. As always, we really appreciate you guys listening. Love you. Bye-bye. And then, moments later... A few moments later... A few moments later... (laughs) Bye.